I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we discuss and watch Blizzard games, because that is our sole purpose in life. We are like machines programmed to do that, except we're not machines. Well... Alex and Ann aren't machines, and I'm not telling you too much about myself. Hi, I'm Matt Rossi, and I'm the host, as I usually am, I believe. My programming tell, seems to tell me that's the case. Uh, with me this week are people I've already mentioned. So without further ado, or a don't, uh, we will talk to these people now and ascertain if they are, in fact, humanoid beings who watch Blizzard games. First up, Ann Stickney. Ann, what have you been doing? Beep boop, I am a robot. You stole my line. <laughs> I was ready to for everything. I, come on. I was waiting. I was waiting. I was hoping we wouldn't have to rock, paper, scissors over who got to say that. I got oh. it first. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> what have you been doing? What's up? How you doing? What's going on? Oh, my gosh. Uh, this week has actually been kind of busy. Um most of my Warcraft stuff has just been, like, dinking around into non. I haven't actually been doing much of anything with that because uh, my free time has been spent writing fiction for the heck of it. Because apparently when I'm not writing, I'm also writing. So that's how that oh. works. Um, that's... Yeah. I've actually, we, me and my friend Pete have actually been working on a series of novels for quite some time. Oh, and see, I'm just working on, like, fan fiction for funsies. We're going to, like, we're going to submit it to the this took there's an open submission call we're going to submit to because you know we're finally going to try and get this thing published so there we go that sounds like oh, fun good look yeah hopefully but yeah now since now we've established that Anne is the evil robot in our midst we now get to turn to alex zebart and find out if he is a fleshly being and and i quite frankly i'm i'm not thinking we're going to find out that he's human um no i i'm a hate machine that's yeah what i do uh, I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm more so than WoW the, the past week. I just got back yeah, were, into it. And... You were talking about that, actually. Um, weren't you talking about how the, the Barbarian feels more like an assassin than a warrior? Yeah, uh, the warriors are all... I mean, they're various levels of tanky, but Sonya in particular is not very tanky, but she can dish out tons of damage. So I enjoy playing her, but she plays so much more like an assassin. Like, you get in, you deal tons of damage, you get out before they take you down. Cool. I have not actually gotten to play Heroes lately, so... Yeah, that's... I don't know, I just got the itch to play it again, and I uh, went, I was fairly low level, like character levels, but once you hit 10 or something like that, I think, you get a free stim pack, and stim pack increases gold and XP gains, mm-hmm. so I just went through leveling all the characters to 5, because at 5 you get 500 gold for each of them. Ah, that's why you were saying, oh, I got him to 5 and I never have to play him again. Yeah, uh, like I hate playing Falstad, but I got him to level five because once you get to level five, you get five hundred gold. So, and then you can just buy other characters with the gold. So, 
I'm just yeah. taking advantage of what's on the free rotation. Gotcha. Okay, well, that's pretty much what we've discovered is that everybody involved in this podcast, with the possible exception of Adam, are, you know, robots. Where Blizzard game playing... Oh, Adam's a robot. We know he's a robot already. So, you know, I'm, I'm star- I really am starting to wonder if Adam is merely pretending to be a robot and is, in fact, a filthy human. I think that's a possibility. He's a robot programmed to drink. He does consume an awful lot of white Russians for a robotic entity. That is true. That is very true. Uh, right now, I, I should make a reference to the um, old Star Trek original series episode where Kirk and Spock ended up on the planet full of androids. Mm. But I'm not going to, just because I know it would, it would make Adam happy, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> this week, they're not going to know who I hate. All right, we should probably talk about the top news stories of the week, and some of that actually is, involves Blizzard Watch business, so we're going to turn that over to Alex and let him do that talking now so that you guys can be kept up to date on what we are doing at Blizzard Watch. Alex? Sure. Uh, last week, we updated our Patreon benefit list because we have people giving us a whole range of donations for like a dollar to a hundred bucks. And we really wanted to give people uh, benefits appropriate to their support. And Goodies. so we still have, yeah, I mean, just, it's just extra stuff. I, I don't think we, we didn't really take away from the, any of the things people were already getting for the most part. We just added new stuff. Like um, we have uh, at the $5 level, you can do the ads for experience uh, at, we have a lot more behind the scenes stuff at higher levels at 25 or more per month. We're, Give, sending out physical copies of a Blizzard Watch coloring book, which is going to be all of the art we've commissioned to use on our site, from primarily from Noxie We might get other artists in there. We're not sure. But um, you should definitely check it out, uh, patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Uh, your support makes everything possible. So you should look at those things. And we also had a new podcast, Lore Watch. And do you want to talk about that? Lore Watch is a bi-weekly, so it's every other Sunday we're recording an hour's worth of lore chit-chat with myself and Rossi, of course, and also Joe Perez, who a lot of people, he's our shaman columnist, but what a lot of people don't realize is he's like as wrapped up in the lore as Rossi and I are. So having an opportunity to like sit down and jam with him for an hour along with Rossi is pretty fun, actually. Our first episode, we talked about the Twisting Nether and whatnot, and um, how many tinfoil hat theories did we just kind of cobble together over the course of that hour, Rossi? Uh, at this point, there's the, there, there was an entire tinfoil suit, and I'm pretty sure there was like some tinfoil curtains and yeah. a nice tinfoil couch cover, and you know, out in the back, someone's making a boat out of tinfoil. So yeah, it was Basically, there was a lot. Yeah, lore watch is kind of like being able to crawl around in our heads for an hour, and it's a very strange and interesting place to be if you're a fan of Warcraft lore at all. So yeah, our first episode, it yesterday, I believe it's Monday, right? Yes, it is. Okay, so yesterday the. Uh, first episode of lore watch just became available to everybody it should be available on itunes now for everybody um patreon people who pledge to patreon get it a week early so um we will be recording our second episode next week well not next week this coming sunday if you're on patreon you'll get to hear it almost immediately you'll get it you'll get it like approximately two minutes after i hit the stop button on the record thing yeah so that's cool if you're at all interested in just the general behind-the-scenes stuff of how we do what we do, and that is one of the big things we're putting out. If you if you support us, you'll see a lot more of what goes into making this site. Yep. So that pretty much covers that, I believe. We've talked about Law Watch, which was one of the things that Adam said he wanted to talk about, so I feel good about that. And we've covered the Patreon stuff, so now we can talk about some just general Blizzard news. One of them is actually a pretty big deal. Uh we found out this week that Blizzard is going to be having a press conference at Gamescom. And the last time they had a... Is Gamescom or Gamescom? Would you Gamescom. Gamescom. Yeah, because it's German and I get confused. You're not con. Everybody says Gamescom and it drives me crazy. It has con. an M as in Mary, not an N oh. as in Nancy. Natalie? Nancy. Well, and <laughs> that aside... Uh, it's Gamescom, this this upcoming Gamescom, Blizzard will have a press conference and not just a booth and contests and so forth. But, and the thing is, is in 2013, when they did a press conference, they revealed uh, the new Diablo 3 expansion, uh, Reaper of Souls. Now, right now, I we don't really know what they're going to tell us at this, this press conference. I mean, the whole point of having a press conference is to make an announcement. You don't announce what you're going to announce. That's, you know, just kind of silly. But, oh, the rumors are flying. Yes, you would expect them to at least hype it up a little bit, though, and they haven't yet, which is strange. Yeah. 
I don't. Uh, it's one of those situations where I sat down and I really thought about it. Like, what would what would, the, would they be announcing? And like, the only things I can think of is either they're going to finally stop being coy and announce a new Diablo three expansion, which they have not done, and they've been like, there's been zero hype and there's been zero commentary on whether or not they're going to do one, which I find kind of strange because Reaper Souls sold really well and did really well. It, it, it got a lot of like, even people who didn't like you know Diablo three itself thought Reaper of Souls was a vast improvement. So I'm surprised we haven't heard anything about that. Or the only other thing they could really announce is a WoW expansion. Because they can't announce Overwatch. We, we know they've, they've announced that. They can't announce Heroes. Again, Heroes is it's announced. They even just announced the first real expansion for it. They can't announce yeah. Hearthstone because they just did that. I You yeah. know, was it a... I think it was here. I know one of the podcasts that I was on in the past like month or so, we discussed this possibility and I said that originally I didn't think that they would do something like that. But the more I think about it, the more I think that might be a wise decision on their part. Yeah. Well, Alex has absolutely hyped it from the beginning. I I feel, I wouldn't say I've hyped it, but I've believed since like if they, actually mean it when they say they want to stick to more regular expansion releases for World of Warcraft they can't just announce it at BlizzCon all the time. Right, well what I was saying was it kind of makes sense from a business angle, you go ahead and announce it at Gamescom, you don't give a whole lot of details about what's going to be in it you you know, you give it the broad overview Right. right, and the thing is then you have how many months between Gamescom and BlizzCon and you can kind of tailor what you're doing at BlizzCon to address all the questions that the community has brought up in the meantime it's about so it's more months, targeted, think, you know I'd say it's and, about four months, right? yeah, about four months, yeah. so you got four months and every, to sit there and kind of figure then, out what people want to know most and tailor your BlizzCon around that yeah, every now and then you'd get a BlizzCon where like uh, like the Warlords was gone. You know, Warlords was releasing a, a week after the convention. The World mm-hmm. of Warcraft panels at BlizzCon were terrible. Yeah, they had nothing to say because it had been on the you know, beta realms for what six months already. There was nothing to say. Yeah, the WoW yeah. panels. Were there wasn't boring. there wasn't much to talk about really. Plus, I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. At the time, we didn't know, but since Ghostcrawler made his announcement like not long after. It was pretty apparent that they were still readjusting what their teams did. Um, so I think that was also part of a problem there. But I honestly, I, I don't I don't see them doing, I don't see how they cannot do a WoW expansion announcement. You know, I, I don't see how it's possible to not do yeah. a WoW expansion and, announcement. And, you know, I, I think I've still seen a lot of people uh, you know, insist, you know, a World of Warcraft expansion announcement is so big that it can only be a BlizzCon. Well, it's not... I mean, consider how many games Blizzard has going now. Yeah. If, if they save the announcements for every single game... I, essentially, yeah. BlizzCon is their marketing outlet. Like, that's what it is. Like, for whatever yeah. else you go there to do, it's their marketing place. And if they put the big announcement for every single game at BlizzCon, something they announce is going to get overshadowed by something else. And that would be a poor marketing decision. Plus, I mean, like, a Hearthstone expansion is going to get crushed underneath, you know, whatever... You know, plus, I mean, if you if you look at it, the 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 prevailing wisdom that the WoW expansions are too big not to announce at, at BlizzCon, which I used to hold to, it really comes from the it comes from like six BlizzCons ago, when WoW was all they did. Yeah. You know, when when WoW that was, was the, the big deal. thing. Yeah. What else did they really have to talk about? They didn't have StarCraft two anywhere near ready to release. They didn't have Diablo. They they started working on Diablo three when like in two thousand eight. And then uh, at least a couple it. of expansions yeah. worth of World of Warcraft. Yeah, they you keep like they didn't have anything for a long time. The, I mean, World of Warcraft was their deal. Of course, they were going to do it at at BlizzCon. But now, Blizzard is the like is up to six, seven games, and a couple of which are, are persistently online. You know, it's it's getting to the point where World of Warcraft just has to accept its role as one of Blizzard's games. And if you want to keep people playing it and you want to keep people interested in it, uh, it can't try and be the big dog at every BlizzCon where it's got an announcement because that makes people wait too long. Well, and again, like I said, it makes sense that, I mean, if they want to just drop, okay, so like the trailer that they did for Warlords of Draenor, 
where they drop the trailer and it's like, here's what's going to be in the in the expansion. Here's the title. Here's the features. And maybe talk about them a little bit at Gamescom, but not like super in-depth. That still gives you enough information that the community is going to give be giving them feed, feedback, like lots of feedback between now and BlizzCon. Oh, yeah. So they could take all that feedback and go, okay, what are people asking the most about? What are people the most confused about? Let's go ahead and clarify this. Let's go ahead and we'll tailor our panels around that. That makes sense. And, and the the <laughs> this is kind of cynical, I think. But the reason I think the press conference is going to be a World of Warcraft thing is because they haven't given it any kind of hype. They haven't teased anything. And their WoW community team has been terrible this expansion. <laughs> if it was any, like Hearthstone, they were, for weeks, they're building up to something. The only community team right now at Blizzard that I think would not say a word is the World of Warcraft community team because they've been mostly silent for the last year. Which is weird and kind of depressing. It is. Frankly. I think a lot of this, I mean, I read an article, and I, I don't remember who, who wrote it today, so if, if it was your article, I apologize, get in touch with me, and I'll credit you. Um, but I read an article talking about the difficulty in the, the, the Mythical Man Month and you know adding team to a project, any computer project. And one of the things we know happened between Mists and Warlords, specifically during that like period of drought, was they greatly expanded the size of the WoW team. Yeah, because everybody that was on Titan came yeah. over. They greatly expanded the WoW team. And the problem with adding a lot of people is they can't just plug in and go. And they talked, Blizzard talked about this at the time, that they were having, you know, they had trouble getting everyone up to speed, inter, uh, you know, up to speed, integrated, knowing the tools they were using. They you know, have to acclimate to it, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I think some the article I read called Warlords a transitional expansion. And I kind of feel like they're right, because what Warlords did really well, Warlords' strengths are stuff like, you know, quest design, zone building, uh, the, the leveling experience, that they did very well. Where Warlords has sort of fallen flat for a lot of players, and uh, I'll finally come out and admit it, just because I don't feel like having the argument, I don't feel like defending it. I I, I feel like Endgame, I liked Tanan, but I really feel like we didn't get enough Endgame. Thank you. And it, I, I think it's because I like Tanan that I finally come to that that opinion. Because I'm looking at Tanan saying, why didn't we have one of these immediately? When I hit level 100, why wasn't this waiting for me? Why did I have to wait for it till patch 6.2? Yep. And why didn't we have two of these? Because this, this should have been, there should have been one of these right away. There, quite frankly, Farallon should have been at the game at launch, and it should have been like Tanan. And then at 6.2, we should have gotten Tanan. And we should have gotten two of them. And... All right, I'm, I'm, this one's painful for me because I really don't care all that much about it, but I get why people care about it. The orc guy building your shipyard was the dumbest thing ever for Alliance. It doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't make any sense. Why does he? Why do we need this orc? It would have been fine if we needed him because he had like the plans for some super orc dreadnought we needed to stop. But nope. It's just we need him to tell us how to build a shipyard, but he doesn't know how to work the tools. He doesn't know how to use the tools. He builds an Alliance-style shipyard, which clearly we already have people who can do because we've built them before. He doesn't he build He doesn't anything. know how to make our ships. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. Nothing. I'm sorry. So you basically kind of went out there for no reason. Here's what tools do. This is why this is a dumb statement. Tools do the following things. We have hammers. Those hammer things. Those are fairly hard to screw up. We have saws. Again, those cut things, fairly hard to screw up. Do, does the horde, the, the iron horde use some special hexadecimal like screws to screw things in? Because spikes. That's, spikes. That's like, everything is spikes over there. You use a spike for everything. Like you, you hammer nails with a spike. You just, yeah. you, it's there everywhere. It's just that, that when I read that quest text, I, I glazed right over it because I didn't care. But if you actually stop and think about it, it is the dumbest thing ever. And it could have been so easily just, just to have him be the guy we talk to. Why is that hard? There's an orc in my shipyard. If you don't really, if you really don't like orcs, don't use the guy in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, like don't even put the quest in there, but if we have to go up there and get that guy, then have him be useful. 
have him yeah, do that, something. I, that just that bugs me. And frankly, I'm going to come on to one more thing to complain about. And <laughs> this, this, this is going to get sticking in my craw all week. And I, I really need to talk about this. The more I play with the shipyard, the less I like it. Yeah. I, I somebody asked me in the queue over the weekend uh, what I would do to improve the shipyard if I had like free reign to do so. And honestly, I think what would improve it by leaps and bounds is just make ships come back as damaged instead of destroyed. Like make it so that you have to repair them and you have to spend resources to repair them before you can send them out again. But don't destroy them. Because the second you destroy them and you blow them up and you see that on your screen, it's so deflating and so demoralizing. It's like, well, what I, I was think, the point of doing this to begin with, really? You guys, you guys know Stacey Landry, who's our mage columnist? Yes. Yeah. She, she, she tweeted today. She's like, there's nothing like seeing your two epic ships that you leveled from, like, you know, green quality both destroyed on a mission. Yeah. It's like I think it's it's probably There's nothing fun about that. <laughs> for example, one of the things that matters is the ship's crew. If you get on alliance, if you get a working crew, the working crew increases XP gained by whatever amount. Okay, that's great, except that's not useful when you have to send epic ships on a difficult mission. The worgen is wasted when you could when you'd rather have, you know, Pandaren for increased mission success chance or a human for increased mission success chance. Right. If you have a worgen and you're trying to do those hard, like epic quests, you decommission that ship and it's wasted. That yeah, worgen exactly. doesn't help you. And you can't swap it out. You can't fire those worgen sailors and replace them with humans. You have to destroy the ship to make them go away. So in other words, oh the, the ship that's easiest to level because they get the experience bonus is the worst once you have it leveled. Yes. Which is like a mini game that's just, it's mind bending. It's like that you're punished for doing what the game has told you you should have done. What's funny as is. As soon as you uh, get it done, you're punished. They, they came out with a list of hot fixes this evening. Yeah, my and, wife told me. Yeah, well, one of the hot fixes was a level three shipyard. When you build a ship in a level sh- three shipyard, it's automatically rare and with a higher chance of being an epic ship, which it's isn't. going to. It's, it's not the problem. Up. That's yeah. not the problem, though. It's not the fact that, you know, it takes forever to get an epic ship. Okay, I will go ahead and say, yeah, sure, it should take some time to get an epic ship. It's when you have that epic ship that you've poured all of this time into, and it's just gone, destroyed. Boom. No more. Because that's yeah. hours of stupid missions just wasted in an instant. And yeah, I know that you can just build a new ship almost immediately because you have all the resources you need because you're absolutely full of garrison resources. Yeah, that's the point. It's not epic. Then I have to level that new ship. Even if I get lucky and it is somehow better, like I think it it could just be automatically blue. I don't know if it can automatically be epic. I think it can be. Yeah, I've had them automatically come in in an epic before. Even if you get that, you still have to do all this work to get it into a place where it's ready to go, where it has all the proper clue component, where it has everything you need, and then it can just be destroyed again. It just it even if you can argue that it's not really that big a deal, and I get your point, it really isn't. It feels like a big deal. It feels like you just like wh- it, literally like you want to throw your hands up and go, "I'm not doing this." Yeah, I'm not wasting my time on this. And I'm 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 speaking as a guy who has gotten multiple um, Hellfire Citadel caches from the shipyard. I've gotten like three yeah. things that were useful out of that. And I'm not using it. That's like, you, you can't bribe me into doing this. So, I, I so think like, what adds insult to injury is, with the shipyard, they let you rename your ships. <laughs> I renamed one and had it immediately get destroyed. I was like, no, I'm not living with this heartbreak. I'm not naming them. I don't care if they're named, like, you know, Poop Pile, whatever. Like, if that's the name they give me, that's what it's keeping, because I'm not getting attached. Good ship I can, poop pile. I can think of one ship you'd rename. If it was, like, Malfurion's, like, Malfurion's Joy or something, you'd rename it so fast. No, I wouldn't, because it's going to get destroyed. I'll be happier if you I don't rename it. deliberately send it somewhere <laughs> so that it would get destroyed. Two weeks later, Alex is like, why are you still here, Malfurion? <laughs> why are you epic now? Why do you only succeed? So to roll it back to the whole Gamescom thing, I think the thing that I'm kind of like, (sighs) how do I phrase this? Let's see. Okay. So maybe we'll see a a World of Warcraft expansion announcement at Gamescom. This is great. 
That's cool. That means that they'd be rolling out the expansions faster. The thing that's bothering me right now, I have no idea what this expansion is going to be. I have no clue. And this is the first time in playing World of Warcraft that I haven't had at least some kind of inkling, glimmer, hint, idea, thought about where it could actually go. And it's not because they've hidden this information. It's not because they're being clever about it. It's because we have no information to work with because the story in Warlords of Draenor has been so monumentally poor that I have nothing to go off of. See, I actually... I don't know where the story is going because... I don't really, I, since I've hit level 100, I barely have any sort of idea of where the story is at right now. See, I would argue at least that when I sat down today and wrote, when I wrote KYL for today, one of the things I was thinking about actually is where are we going next? What's the next expansion? It just so happened to tie in that they're, you know, we, we're taught, we're thinking about them doing an announcement. I wasn't thinking about it at the time. I actually sat down and thought about it and I, I have a couple of ideas, but I have no idea how much of this is just me. All of like, it. You know what I mean? Do you know how much they've given us to work with? They've given us nothing to work with. The only thing that we have to work with right now is, oh, Gul'dan is still somewhere on the loose. So probably next expansion we're going to have to deal with him again because they're going to bring him back. But how they do that, in what context, who they bring in, no idea. Why? Because they've given us nothing. They've given uh, us nothing. And I'm so disappointed with this expansion right now. I'm ready for it to be over. Okay, ready. I, I, Absolutely ready for it to be over. There's there's there's, there's some clues inside the, the new raid. There's stuff like when uh, Cadgar asks us to get Gul'dan's skull for reasons and things like that. But I'll agree that it certainly isn't as direct as we've seen in the past. It's, it's so clumsily going... handled this time around. Where are all of the writers that were working on Missa Pandaria? Where are they? What basement are they locked in? And can we let them out, please? With that note, <laughs> I believe we've answered the Gamescom announcement so i guess we'll move on to some emails because that's what we do here at the show let's do that uh, <laughs> um if, as always if you have an email please send it to the podcast at blizzardwatch.com all one word for blizzard watch and uh we'll do our best to answer them we don't answer everything but we try and answer as well as we can i think because of the lore show we got a ton of lore emails uh so that's good and all but please don't feel afraid to ask questions that aren't about lore we would like to talk please. about them too yeah we've got please. an entire lore podcast now we, we uh, don't so. need lore questions here so much. You could, like, you know, yeah. chuck them that but direction. I will, you know, we will still answer them because, you know, we're good people. Well, or robots. We're good robots. We're very good robots. Um, this first one uh, doesn't seem to have a name, so we'll just read the email. In Shadowmoon Valley of Outland, the spirits of dead Arakoa are trying to summon an old god. However, one tinfoil idea I had is that what if they were trying to give birth to an old god? The flesh beasts in Karazhan were summoned from the nightmare of Medivh's dreams, and dreams are often associated with being, with being chaos. Could it be the desperate Arakoa trying to conjure forth collective nightmares that end up taking shape of an old god, and thus old gods are beyond death due to as long as... Wow, this is hard to read. Due to as long as people dream that they could always come back? Um, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure what you're asking me. Uh, if you're asking me if if it was a dream, well, I don't think it was because we have a specific night old god type thing that's causing nightmares in the Emerald Dream of of Azeroth at least. Nazoth, supposedly, yeah, so the one who we heard about right before Cataclysm came out, and then never heard anything about ever again. Well, uh, we kind of heard it when we were doing the raid. Yeah, I, remember, I think I, I think somebody like one of one of one or the other of the tentacle dudes kind of said something about Nazoth. Yeah, they, he basically mentions him before we kill him. Yeah, and that but, was it. <laughs> as far as flesh beings in Karazhan, remember we saw flesh beasts before. They weren't just in Karazhan; they're actually in the the Draenei starting zone. Those are things created by the Twisting Nether. Yeah, exposure to the energies in the Nether creates flesh beasts. That does beg the question of like. Is there a connection between the old gods and the nether? Because when you go to Architraz, Harbinger Skyrus says straight up that the old gods are everywhere and they're more numerous than the stars. And even the Legion can't defeat them. Uh, I believe the exact line is no force in the universe uh, can make us bend our knee, not even the mighty Legion. So there are there's a connection between old gods and the nether of some kind. and We don't know what it is, but they are Uh most definitely not working with the Burning Legion in any capacity. Absolutely not. They they do not like those guys. Uh, it's it's 
it's sort of like the difference between like the, the the Burning Legion is basically like super fascists. They they just they're not just fascists. They want entropy. They want order on a cosmic scale, and the only order they can conceive of is destruction. Everything will be dead, and then that it'll be fine. Once everything's dead, we're good. They're kind of like Kefka from Final Fantasy. Well, they assimilate the ones they like. Yeah, but only to use them to destroy everything else. And continue uh, assimilating. Yeah, but again, the ultimate goal is to destroy everything. It's a very the, destructive the prob- Borg entity. Being joined into the Legion, ultimately, you're basically saying, I want a G in your team, so you'll kill me last. Which, I, you know, great, but... It's, it's again. It, they do kind of have that sort of Kefka-esque insanity. You know how final every almost every Final Fantasy end boss is like all life is is suffering and everything must be destroyed. That that's the Legion. They're really like that. That's what they want to do. The old gods are like, no man, life is awesome. Look what you can do to it. I gave this one <laughs> tentacles for a head. This one I have tentacles coming out of its feet. I don't even know what it did to this one. I think I jammed three of them together. It's just, this is awesome. Now this fire guy is going to punch this water guy for my amusement. Why are you trying to stop me? I just want everything to be fun. So, you know, the, the old gods are at least kind of like playful in their complete insanity and madness and destruction of all things. Whereas the, the Legion are like total buzzkills. They just, you know, everything must be destroyed. There's no purpose to creation. Everything must be destroyed. No, man, I'm telling you, we can totally stick tentacles on everything. Everything can have tentacles. And then we'll pit it all against each other and watch it fight. I want to watch it because that would be awesome. The Legion and the Old Gods really team up and give us things with tentacles that are on green fire. (laughs) Flaming green tentacles. I'd really enjoy that. (laughs) This is a nice change from the normal green fire. The way it writhes. Yeah, you know, I really... I'm glad we teamed up. Flaming green tentacles sounds like a new Cheeto flavor or something. (laughs) (laughs) Doritos gamer fuel being tentacle. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, to answer your question, nah, I don't think that they're trying to conjure forth from the collective nightmares uh, because I think the old gods already are that kind of thing. Like, that they, they're they're worse than that. They're the kind of things that give nightmares nightmares. So, yeah, that's basically what I think there. But interesting thought. Uh, the next one is very long, but it's from Element Elementi. Element or elementy, I don't know how you put an extra E on the Elemente. end. Elemente. Elemente. I like that. A lady orc shaman from Archimonde, US. Uh, greetings, Blizzard Watch. I wish Blizzard would make the decision to turn the story into a viable endgame content. Do you think this could ever be a possibility? Uh, I, I guess. All the bits and pieces for this are actually in place. All you need to do is bring them together under a logistical, a logical project progression system with appropriate rewards. There was an attempt at this in Mr. Pandaria with the lore walkers, but nothing this time around. Possible progression styles. Uh, timed lore quizzes, as in in-game version of the trivia, Pursuit, uh, Timeless Isle, Stone Talon Mountains, NPCs. Uh, MOP-style places for lore collections, e.g. a library as a garrison building in Warlords with artifact crates as work orders rewards. Uh, lore factions, the Explorer's League and the Reliquary as cross-expansion spanning factions, sending us on lore missions all over as Seroth and beyond. Uh, four, mystery solving. Verifying stories and legends of various races, gathering clues, tracking NPCs, ethnographic disguise missions, Northrend Murlocs, perhaps even enemy interrogation for lore info. Uh, this is what I imagined when archaeology was first announced. Uh, rewards. Achievements and titles, items, toys, pets, mounts, and some gold. Uh, more lore, new stories, classific- clarifications, filling the plot slash lore holes, and updates to what has been happening in the non-current storylines. Four, the ability, the ability to unlock player favorite quest chains from previous expansions, making them repeatable. Thoughts? Love your show, Elemente. Uh, I, I do think that we did have a lot more of that kind of thing in Mists. I think it's indisputable. Um, the lore walkers really gave us... Um, one of the things that comes to mind, actually, is part of part of it was from the Legendary Quest chain, but when you go to the very end of the Legendary Quest chain, and you got that moment where, like, he tells your story to you, I still love that. I think that was one of the best things they did. And it was both, it was, a, um, I forget who it was besides Rathian. Was it Chen? It wasn't Cho. Chen. It was Cho. It was Lord Walker, Lord Walker Cho. Cho. And the two of them basically disputed you. Like, the, the, you're standing right there as they go back and forth on whether you're a destroyer or a preserver. And that was great, because I'm like, uh, guys, I'm right here. You're like, you know, I, I know what I did. I, I done screwed up the Jade Forest right good. Didn't you notice? That place is wrecked. 
Like, man, that, that place is bad. Although I admit, I've topped myself with the veil. Oh my, yeah, oh, the veil? That's a masterpiece of Do me. Do you guys remember when up. there used to be trees here? <laughs> Not after I got <laughs> That done. was cool, wasn't it? So I, I honestly think like a lot of that there was a lot of that stuff. Um, they did the thing is is this is a real example to my mind of why we need scenarios. Like a lot more scenarios. I think uh, scenarios could be used as like story progression tools. I don't see yeah. any reason why they couldn't be. Um, well, look at like what they did with Siege, where before we got to Siege, there was that goblin scenario yeah. at the same time, and it basically if you wanted to know how what did Garage find, how did he find it. Well, here's what the scenario. What was that thing in the box of the trailer? Yeah, here's the scenario where it's it's entirely your fault. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's like you know, if you played Horde, at least it made sense. You know, sure. Oh yeah, we did that. Played Alliance. It was one of the scenarios where you got to see what happened, but it wasn't really you, which I liked because as an Alliance player, I could not come up with a way I would have given Garage a big giant evil heart, not even for Valentine's Day. They they don't have it, yeah they have Valentine's Day. They um. Love is, in the, love is in the air with that creepy goblin. I okay, Elemente. I like the cut of your jib, as far as the whole "Hey, let's make story into an endgame content" kind of thing. However, what you have to kind of look at and you have to realize is that there's a very small team working on this kind of stuff like putting the story together and writing it all down and you know forming it into what it is and as far as end game is concerned it's a lot easier for a team to get together and go okay let's design a boss that 25 people can come in and punch and it'll give them good things and we'll, we'll go ahead uh, and do a strategy and all this than it is think... to go okay we need to come up with an end game expansions worth amount of written material that's all new. I think the definition of end game we're using here might be a little looser. Like it is, this yeah. it just had level one hundred stuff. It wasn't like the high level ninety stuff. It's about store. Yeah, ninety. But yeah. when you got to the level cap, you you would still go around the world collecting these scrolls. Yeah, you could do all of that. And getting, and getting more out of archaeology through Cho and all that stuff. And, and I'd like to see more of that, but, you know, when and you're And because we have about... these things, we know we have the tools. Like, we know they can do it, and they have done it. It would just like them to continue doing it. I would like to see them continue doing it, but again, I think it's more of a matter of manpower, because you have to... Number one, you had to come up with the ideas of all of this stuff and go, okay, so let's go ahead and say, oh, you know, you're talking about Northern Murlocs, that kind of thing, exploring that sort of stuff. You have to, like, come up with what that is. You have to hammer it out. You have to fit it into the story as it stands. You have to run it by people and make sure that it actually does make sense and everybody has to kind of come to a consensus and agree that, yeah, this is what we're going to go with. We're not going to retcon this next expansion. <laughs> So it's like there's a lot more work involved than you would think in doing stuff like this. And do I want to see more Lorewalker stuff? Absolutely. Do I want to see more scroll collections and things like that? Absolutely. Do I think it would be like viable to make a complete endgame experience out of nothing but that? Not unless they hired a fleet of writers to help them out. I don't think it needs to be nothing but that. They just need to have some of it. Yeah. Uh we well, haven't plus, had, I mean, had a little of it now. One of the things that we really had in you know, Mists that we didn't really have in Warlords 2 is that we had lore coming in from all sorts of directions. Like yeah. The 5.2, uh, or is it 5.1? Whichever the... Uh, 5.1. The Shield Wall. Yeah, Operation Shield, shield Wall and uh, Dominant Defensive. Yeah. That those was guys basically, by doing those quests the way they did, you know, oh. you got to see stuff that was setting up the, the next couple of raids. This and is that's the, the kind of that stuff that's just been sorely missing in Warlords. Yeah. Mists really needed setup. And it had it. It had setup for both Throne of Thunder and for Siege of Morgamar. It made sense that we went up to Throne of Thunder, even in the face of Garage, because we had to stop that guy. It made sense that we had to stop that guy, because if he had his way, Garage wouldn't even be a footnote. No. He was going to do some crazy stuff, and we had to stop him. But once we did stop him, we kind of handed Garage all this stuff that we really shouldn't have been handing him. Uh, and it was really fascinating to see how it all dovetailed. 
and just like stuff like the anima from Throne of Thunder, which really, you know, didn't get used. Yeah, Rod in, which didn't even really get used yet, but it set up so much stuff. There was a ton of setup in, in this. Problem with Warlords is I, I disagree with you that they haven't done any story, but I agree with you that the way they've done it, it is almost impossible to filter out what is really like. I, I, I wrote this the other day about Gul'dan. One, my biggest problem with Gul'dan is I don't get what he's doing. Like, stuff he does during the Garrison campaign implies that he just wants to destroy Draenor. Just wants to destroy it. Yeah. It's like, um, isn't this the place you're summoning your, your evil boss guy to as prelude to an invasion? Like, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on in that raid that I just did. So you're, you're not doing that? Oh, I find another way to make the world burn. Well, why do you want it to burn? You want to burn that other world. This world is the one you're on. All your stuff's here. You used to really be into your own stuff. Like that was your deal was that you that you cared about you and do, your do stuff you not... and you wanted to add more stuff to the stuff that you already had and now you're just yes. saying torch it all. Where's that coming from? Well, yeah, where are we going with this? Like, do you have a plan, man? Like I this is my problem with like with new Gul'dan is he he's like he's a step behind old Gul'dan in terms of actual planning. That dude planned this dude does not seem to plan very much. His plans all involve, like, I don't know, like, who yeah, it, it worked. You've become a horrible monstrosity that I will store. And it, it was like, wait, really, that was your plan for Gorfeed? That he turned into this? Because I got to tell you, I'm not seeing the benefit to you that now Gul'dan, like, Gorfeed is now a 7,000-pound stomach with teeth. It's super <laughs> silly. Like, Gorfeed used to be, like, sinister and menacing and terrible. And this new thing's like... You're made out of Play-Doh. Cute. And you swallow like, is, things. Like, you just kill Rog. Kill Rog is still scary. Yeah. You are... What are you, man? Like, <laughs> I spent half my time like just looking at you going, really? I... So, like, there's like there is some good stuff in this raid as a raid just you know experiencing it there's some really good stuff there's some interesting story stuff in too like when when you get up to like the zakarun i think his name is a zakarun whatever the, the 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 new kind of pit lord type dude he's like a, a dreadnought whatever yeah. he's, a, he's a demon he, he's got some good dialogue with with gromash and it, it's actually like it even sets up that fight and then the other fight like when you actually look at the archimon fight it sets up why Grom thinks they were all on the same team now. It's, I have I to. In- I, no, uh, no, go ahead. I have to interrupt because Fizzle just said this in the Twitch chat, and it, he got it exactly right. I couldn't think of what Gorfiend reminded me of. Gorfiend is Oogie Boogie. Yes. From That's Nightmare who Before he is. Christmas. Nightmare yes. Before Christmas. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was very exactly. important to say. Okay. I I I don't know who that is, but. <gasps> Cool. You should see Nightmare Before Christmas. I've seen it's it. I just don't remember. Oh, okay. It's been like years since I saw the movie. But he was the ghost guy full of spiders. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that makes sense for Gorfiend. The one that kidnapped but, the Sandy Claws. That's the problem with like a lot of this stuff, and I think it's a problem with story in general and Warlords is that they put they set up all the same kind of raid content they always do, but they didn't set up that really interesting framework that in Mists drove you to the raids. And and then inf- informed you as to what was going on. They, they put in they put in all these individual little lore pockets here and there, and they didn't put in any sort of tying unifying thread to lead you from point A to point B to point C. And I'm sorry, but when I'm lost, like me, when I'm lost, you've got a big problem. Because I'm the one that pulls threads out of nowhere and makes it all work, and I can't make all of this work. It's ridiculous. The the item for this question actually that resonated with me was updates to what's been happening in the non-current storylines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that I really really enjoy. Like when the story, like okay, the focus of Warlords is Draenor, this alternate universe. But I also really love just getting small updates to what has happened to places we've been. Like when Sunwell for the Queldalar quest train. Like yeah, we, we, we've Sunwell. talked about that before. That right. Queldalar, the Queldalar quest did that extremely well. And that you cool got to see. Show you know, would like send me a you know a letter or something and let me know what how how all the tree planting was going on in the Vale. You know, they could have done that so easily too. In the middle of the uh, legendary quest chain, there could easily have been a, a summons from Cho. And he like says, you know, we don't know how we know this, but here's a magical thing from Pandaria. And meanwhile, you get to see the Vale half rebuilt. Yeah. 
Where they're like you know? putting it back together again. That'd be nice. I still think that if they're smart, I they mean, would I never have us back. And don't get me again. wrong. I'm not saying that like any of these ideas are particularly bad or anything like that. I just when when somebody says make this end game content, when I hear end game content, I equate that with make this as significant and impactful as a raid would be. And you can't yeah. quite do that. Do I want them to incorporate more of this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? That's what I've been saying all podcasts. Is I, we I need more to, story stuff, you know. I want to see a Westfall that isn't as horrifically depressing as it was in Cataclysm. Yeah, that'd be great. Just okay, give me a little update. update. Like, have, ha, has anything improved in this horrible? Place? <laughs> Are the orphans still mugging people? <laughs> that would actually, know. you know, it's been long enough since Cataclysm, and it's been long enough in total that it would be nice if, like, we actually got the sense that finally Varian is doing something right. And Stormwind's kingdom, because all those other zones are part of the kingdom of Stormwind, was actually somewhat united now, and it was actually taking care of business for once. That'd be yes. great. Because they haven't they haven't been taking care of business for eleven years. It's been a very eleven time. years. And I mean, Arian's been gone for a while. We know that, and also he was Dog Boy for a while, and we know that. <laughs> but. Dog boy, I shouldn't say that. But anyway, he was he was gladiator ug ug Varian for a while there, and then there was the other Varian that was like snooty Varian and wasn't really being effective at anything. And this was all in the comic series and not in the actual game itself. In the game, he just appeared. He appeared right at the beginning of Wrath of the Lich King, and then promptly did a whole heck of a lot of nothing. Yeah, and you know, I'm not saying they should redo the whole world again. It just no, feels like, hey, no. let's let's revisit Westfall for one quest. And oh, look, people have houses now. You know, they didn't they did an instance quest for the Queldalar storyline where you got to go to the Sunwell and it was different, and th they didn't change you know the island of Quell. You know, it would Quel be cool. The terrain, like if you... the terrain was pretty much the same. They just moved NPCs and had gave them yeah. new dialogue. It would be just cool if we just got like little updates here and there. People aren't standing around outside, you know, Sentinel Hill trying to burn it down because they haven't had food in months the, anymore. The place isn't on fire anymore. That would be great. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> like one of those weird things when you fly through uh, Dragonblight and people are still screaming as you like go by that one flight point. Because it's it, awful. You, it's just that one area, too. You yeah. fly over it and all of a sudden there's like screams. Yeah, but all right, we should move on to another email because it's getting late in the show and we've covered this one email. Um, two. <laughs> actually, I think we did two, but yeah. The next one is from Tikanjia. Thank you so much, Tikanjia. I love you. I love you for pronouncing, giving me a pronunciation guide. Thank you. Hello, watchers. As I was listening to your description of the Twisting Nether, it brought to mind another question. How vast is the Emerald Dream? Is it another wide dimension that also touches regions of space, or is it also only limited to our physical Azeroth? Can druids in alternate Draenor, for example, reach the Emerald Dream if they activated their hibernation, however they get there? Uh, Tikanjia. Well, from what little we actually really know about the, the Emerald Dream is it is like an exact copy of Azeroth the way it was before. It's, it's okay, so the Emerald Dream is basically, it's another plane of existence. It's like, you know, you've got the material plane where all the physical stuff is at. The Twisting Nether is its own plane of existence. The Emerald Dream is also a plane of existence. And the Emerald Dream is basically, it is a backup copy of Azeroth. It is Azeroth before we started touching it, playing with it. It's pre-sundering Azeroth. So it's just one big continent of Kalimdor. But it's all encompassed on Azeroth. The Emerald Dream, as far as we know, it does not exist on other worlds. As far as we it's, know. It's theoretically possible that Draenor has an Emerald Dream of its own with it its you know, backup Draenor. Because we, look, we know the Titans made Draenor. Either... Uh. either Draenor has the Emerald Dream and it has an Emerald Dream there or the Batani are Draenor's version of the Emerald Dream because they're yeah, constantly seems, trying to restore everything to its primordial roots. It which seems is, likely that they actually have one though because Druid stuff seems to work just fine there. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that it, that it, it couldn't potentially have one. I'm just saying that the Batani seem to be rather aggressive about getting the planet back to that whole primordial jungle type thing, like to the it's, point where civilization is kind of offensive to them. <laughs> They're trying I mean, to dismantle I, I it. Had a, I kind of had a little trouble with that little story because they had the Batani, 
Right. And they were clashing with the rock guys. So the Batani were trying to make it plant. The rock guys are trying to make it rocks. I mean, what's what's their motivation here? The rock guys basically want to return it to literally nothingness, just to barren rockiness. They want it to be like a completely like elemental place where there's no life except them. And the, the so it's funny what you actually have is almost like if you went, if you think about it on Azeroth we have the Emerald Dream as a backup copy of Azeroth that's like your save point your save state but we also have the reorigination devices that will take the planet back down to nothing yes like you can you can try to reset the planet or you can go back to step one well what I'm wondering it, it, is it, like the, okay the so and the primordials look like they're doing that exact same thing but against each other. What I'm wondering is with well, the re- like... re- with the reorigination devices, right? Huh? Do those blow up the planet and start from square one, or do they blow up the planet and then reshape it using the Emerald Dream as a template? Well, it seems to me like it's the Emerald Dream is reset to backup, and reorigination is reinstall. Okay. That's that's actually, if you think about it though, that's interesting because what if Draenor doesn't actually have a separate Emerald Dream that's another plane of existence. What if it's... It, like you were just saying the Patani are its Emerald Dream. What if Draenor just never got separated? What if it just has that? Yeah, where like, you said, like the Batani are acting as that backup defense system. Only something's happened to them and they're trying to actively do it even though there's no or, reason to be doing it, you know? Because both, origina- because both backup and reorigination were activated. Ooh. If you turn, if this planet is literally trying to reoriginate itself, and that's why it's so hard to live on it. Because that's why it's so time, savage. Yes, <laughs> the, pla- the plants are trying to kill you constantly because they want to turn everything back to mulch. The rocks are trying to kill you constantly because they want to turn everything to rock, and you're stuck in the middle just trying to keep going. And that would explain why they have all those Magnaron control devices. Yeah. It's kind of Which interesting. So clearly Titan technology. I mean, yeah, I absolutely Titan technology. So as far as the Emerald Dream goes, it's it's the Emerald Dream is very much it's an Azeroth entity. It's an Azeroth plane of existence. Um, we haven't been told that it exists elsewhere or that it's actually on other worlds. The interesting thing about our Emerald Dream is that it began to be corrupted by the old gods. They got into it. How they got into it, don't know. But the novel Storm Rage talks about that and how they fought back the corruption of the old gods and it's all kind of contained in the Rift of Alm now. It's contained. It has not been destroyed. So there's still one section of the Emerald Dream that's a glitchy, which is interesting. That's, that's interesting too for another reason because... The Emerald Dream is not the only such plane that is Azeroth-specific. No. The elemental planes are all specific to Azeroth. The elementals yeah, they were created by the Titans. Exist there. Again, we have a situation where the elementals on Draenor are just there. They're just on Draenor. They're not on a separate plane. So it, it makes you wonder if Azeroth is like this unique... Is, we've been told Azeroth is unique. Maybe it's unique because when the Titans made it, they made all these planes and separated them off from it. Possibly. Uh. Man, we should definitely. But this is all like lore cast stuff, and yeah, yeah, we should move on. Please send us questions that aren't about lore. I'm begging <laughs> Alex you. Alex is like, I, I want to contribute to this podcast. He really does. All right. Well, I guess that's basically probably all we have time for. The uh, we didn't talk about that one last little bit of news though. Okay, let's talk about it. Well, Hearthstone announced a new expansion, the Grand Tournament. That's correct. We, they did. And we, didn't we didn't talk, talk about that at all. Grand Tournament look actually looks pretty interesting because it seems to be kind of um, thematically sort of tuned around the idea of hero power, which I think is yeah. really neat. I, I think the, the description was um, it's in the Hearthstone version of Azeroth after the Argent Tournament. They're like, hey, this is a really good idea. Let's hold the Grand Tournament regularly. And a bunch of wackos showed up to participate. because And said, course, we brought cards. <laughs> yeah, and um, and so the focus is on more heroes more so than the minions in the set. So uh, there are things like cards which let you use your min- uh, your hero power more often, or empower your hero power, or they have inspire, or... which causes something to happen when you use your hero power. Yeah, inspire is actually pretty cool. It's like a new um, it's a new power word or whatever that they put on the cards, and 
Inspire activates when you use your hero power, and then all of these other cards affect how you use your hero power. I it just I I really like how it seems to hook together. And um, they had a couple of test matches after the announcement, and we were watching the test matches. And as I'm watching the test matches, I'm sitting here going, oh, man, this expansion, it's like not just about beating your opponent. It's about being as flashy as possible when you beat your opponent, which is pretty much what a tournament is all about. So it kind of, it, it just, it really resonated with well, me. Hey, it was also like the pro players that were on stream were playing with these cards for the first time and wanted yeah, to maximize the use cool. of them. So they were doing things that weren't necessarily the best choice, but they were doing it just because, like, hey, these are new. Let's show it off. Let's do something. Wasn't there one card? I, I seem to recall you and Dan talking about one particular card that had an unusual power. Do you uh, remember what that, that was? Was that today? Yes, that was today. Uh, let's see. I can look up the card real quick. Okay, yeah, got it. Um, look it up. Yeah, it was uh, the Coliseum Manager, which uh, its effect is inspire, return this minion to your hand. So whenever you use your hero power, you have to put it back in your hand, which is weird because it doesn't do anything particularly good that you'd want to keep playing it. But it's it's almost kind of a, a drawback because it has really good stats for its mana cost. It's three mana, has only two attack power, but five health. And that's a ton of health for three mana. So uh, it's kind of the inspire on that card is kind of a punishment because you get a really strong body on the field really early in the game. That's really weird. Yeah. That it would return it to your hand like that. But um, it's kind of like, um, what was it? Puppy Chow or something? It's... It's um, it's a zombie that from the Knack set that you can play it really early in the game and has really good stats, like really good stats for that early in the game. But when it dies, you heal your opponent for five. Ooh. So it's but it's worth it just to have that meaty body on the field to deal with opposing minions, even if in the end it's going to heal your opponent. I have a question, and maybe it's because I haven't played Hearthstone enough. Actually, I've never encountered a card like this that does this before. Um, if you have a minion and that minion has been damaged, like say you've got a minion with five health and they've been damaged for two, so they only have three health remaining, right? Mm -hmm. If it's returned to your hand, does it get all its health back? Yes. Ah, okay. So you have Uh, a perpetually immortal minion, but every time you use your hero power... Yeah, but I mean, it reaches a point where is it going to be valuable to play a three mana to attack? You know, it's, no, yeah. it's really great early game. It won't be so great late game. And, That's uh, still kind of cool, though. <laughs> yeah, this set also does things like you can tell some of them are direct reactions to how people are playing the game right now. Yeah. Like uh, Hunters, Hunter decks don't use a lot of spells, really. Uh, they're mostly just rush minions, and they don't have a lot of card draw either. So you have things like Lock and Load, which is a new spell for two mana. Says each time you cast a spell this turn, add a random hunter card to your hand. So it encourages hunters to use more spells, and it also gets them more cards. So it's almost a direct reaction to how hunters are playing in the game right now. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. New announcement, uh, new expansion for Hearthstone. It's based on the uh, Argent Tournament, which is one of the weirdest things to do <laughs> I've ever heard, but hey, if it works... <laughs> Uh, so that's pretty much the show. Uh, Alex, you usually um, close off by telling us about Patreon, so you want to do that now? Uh, we kind of did that earlier in the show, but I'll do it again. Um, this podcast and everything we do on BlizzardWatch.com is supported by the community. If you'd like to support us, you can do so on Patreon.com slash BlizzardWatch. We have our whole new suite of supporter benefits, so you can go through, decide what level of support you'd like to give, and hopefully get something awesome. If uh, I think... The thing that's excited people most, I think, is the physical coloring book at 25 a month. I mean, I understand that's steep, but you're getting a coloring book, which is pretty awesome. All right. Uh, again, if you want to send an email to us, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You know, feel free to talk about stuff that's not lore. We love lore questions, but we have a whole podcast for lore now. We'd like to try and uh, get some non-lore stuff in, too. Otherwise, we just end up talking about, you know, why we don't like shipyards for like 20 minutes. So. <laughs> Ask us about Lost Vikings. <laughs> All right, this is the uh, Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. This is Ann and Alex. Uh, good night, everybody. 
Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.